Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to interview our attorney out of our Texas office to talk about some litigation dealing with preferred pronouns. Uh, that's right. And we're also going to talk about some legislation that banned and prohibited mutilation of body parts, uh, particularly for young people. You're going to find that very, very interesting, what's happening in Texas and what we at Pacific Justice Institute are doing about it. Uh, but first, I'd like to talk to the attorney who heads up our office in Hawaii, uh, Joe Gomes. Joe, welcome to the program. Hi, Brad. Nice to see you. Good to be with you again. Oh, it's, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. So uh, how are things going there in Hawaii? Really good, Brad. Uh, you know, we all opened the office here back in March, and uh, definitely word's been getting out. Um, people know we have a presence here. People are obviously aware of PGI's reputation nationally, and we're starting to get more inquiries about how we can help folks uh, that need help here. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Uh, you know, Hawaii is a great place. You think of Hawaii as for relaxation, vacation. <laughs> But in reality, there's, there's some heated matters going on there dealing with religious freedom and, and these kinds of issues. So I'm really glad you're there, and I know a lot of people really appreciate it. So where do people go? Let's say they're listening to this, and they're in Hawaii. Um, where do they go to contact you? How, how do they get help if they need help? Sure. Uh, really, Brad, it's a great question, and I think the best way for them to reach us is through the PJI website, and that's simply pji.org. And uh, there's a, a tab there to, to request help, and you would just press that and follow the prompts and provide the information uh, about your name and contact information and the situation, and we'll get back to you. And we usually do a pretty good job of responding to those within at least a day or so. Uh, so that's the best way to reach us. Okay, good, good. Well, I know you've got a number of cases going on there in Hawaii, so let's let's jump into those right now. Okay, uh, what, sure. What's what's happening there in Hawaii? Thanks, Brett. Yeah, we've got several cases going on here. <clears throat> Most of them are employment-related cases, uh, Title VII, and and then the Hawaii equivalent of it <clears throat> that arose out of. Um, these individuals who had requested uh, religious accommodations from taking the COVID shot. Of course, that was, everybody knows, was imposed on the workforce in 2021. <clears throat> so many individuals, not just in Hawaii, around the country, uh, didn't want to take the shot on religious grounds, and they raised uh, religious objections, uh, put forward their sincerely held religious belief uh, to request an accommodation from the, this requirement. And in many cases, and, in, and, and unfortunately here in Hawaii, the employers sort of ran roughshod over those rights and ended up placing these uh, folks either on indefinite unpaid leave or just terminating their, their job entirely. So we have several cases like that. We represent airline employees. We represent groundskeepers, uh, logisticians, um, uh, symphony members, uh, uh, just a number of different individuals in, in different walks of, uh, uh, in, diff in the different parts of the uh, employment uh, landscape. 
yeah. most of the cases, yeah, most of the cases we have are in litigation now. <clears throat> and we have been able to settle some. We recently settled one for a groundskeeper we, uh, who worked for the state judiciary. We, we actually sued the state judiciary. And uh, fortunately, uh, we had some discovery uh, that, that occurred first. But we were, we were able to come to terms, and we got a good settlement in that case. But uh, the others uh, continue, uh, most of which are in, in discovery, and we're asking for information in discovery. We're preparing for depositions. And in uh, one, a couple of cases, we've got some active litigation, and we face some motions to dismiss. Wow. So you have a lot of heated litigation taking place there already. And then you've got cases uh, that are moving into litigation in that process. What I find really interesting, Joe, is the fact of how diverse these different individuals are that we're representing regarding religious freedom um, in the workplace. I mean, that's, uh, you talked about a groundskeeper, uh, someone who's a part of a symphony, uh, mm -hmm. you know, different, there's just a number of different uh, caregivers, yeah. musicians, I mean, right. uh, airline employees, logistics. I mean, uh, it's a, it seems like, you know, the, the, the attack on religious freedom and tolerance for people of faith is not just isolated to one particular occupation. Uh, it's very broad, and that's really concerning when we look at the just the landscape of America and, and the willingness for such intolerance towards people of faith and unwillingness to uh, try to reasonably accommodate them exists. And uh, I think Hawaii is just sort of a microcosm of what we see happening all across the country with the wide diversity of discrimination against people of faith. What say you? You know, Brad, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think a key point in, in what you mentioned is that there's a wide, uh, diverse group of people who have impact, been impacted by that. And I think it's important for those folks that are, are in that circumstance to realize, as difficult as it might be, because they may seem isolated or alone, or they're the only one, they're not. Uh, there's many, many, many people, certainly in Hawaii, and around the country that are facing this situation. And and thankfully, there's organizations like PJI that are here to help in those circumstances so you don't have to face it alone. You can get legal help. And you are part of a much larger effort of faith people, people of faith, who are standing by their faith and uh, you know having to endure this certain, this challenge for sure, but uh, you're not alone. And certainly you can reach out if you find yourself in that circumstance. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the the symphony case. This is a musician who's a part of a symphony. I understand there's a hearing coming up regarding this. Can you give us some more information on that? Sure. Um, we actually have two clients, two symphony clients. Uh, one, uh, Susan, who's the principal flutist. The other, John, who's uh, one of the symphony's bassists. Both are people of faith. They're wonderful people. They're world-class musicians. They've been with the symphony for over 30 years. They're, they're just terrific people and great at what they do. And uh, they wanted to just keep doing what they did uh, during the 21-22 season. Uh, they, uh, their employer, the symphony, like employers at the time, imposed this COVID shot requirement. Uh, they uh, wanted an accommodation based on their sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, the symphony unfortunately denied it, even though accommodations were readily available. Um, and so they, they were placed on indefinite unpaid leave during the 21-22 season and suffered financial and other uh, damages as a result. 
So, you know, long story short, we, we brought suit, we filed suit, we're in federal court for both of those cases. Um, and they're, they're, you know, good, solid claims, good, solid complaints. Um, so we filed those lawsuits a, several weeks ago. And in the interim, the defendants in those cases filed the symphony for John, and then we have the symphony and the union in Susan's case as defendants. In, in, in both cases, they filed what's called the motion, a motion to dismiss. Okay, and now, so, what, what is a motion to dismiss? Because I know a lot of our audience may not understand what that is. Sure, sure. It's a tool, a motion to dismiss is a tool that defendants typically use in order to challenge a lawsuit in the early stages of the lawsuit. And they'll assert to the court that the lawsuit should be dismissed because maybe the court doesn't have jurisdiction or the claims, even if they were true, don't amount to much, there's really no damages. And so it's it's a tool that's commonly used in litigation. And so we face it here. And again, it's usually done in the early stages of the litigation. So they filed those motions. Um, we put together some very, you know, uh, uh, cogent uh, oppositions, strong oppositions. Uh, I, I think we did a good job on those. Um, and we'll see the hearings on these both are both both cases. Uh, the hearings are set for next Wednesday before the same judge. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, their motions, uh, you know, they raise some interesting questions. Do I think they'll prevail? I'm optimistic that we're going to do a good job. You never know how the court's going to rule, how the court will see this. But uh, again, we, we put together strong oppositions. Uh, I think the complaints are solid. Uh, there's no question that John and Susan uh, experienced damages as a result of the, of the discrimination they faced. Yeah. And so uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, damages, I mean, they lost their jobs. I mean, <laughs> so it's, I think it's real easy as far as, you know, economic damages. I'm sure there's, you know, maybe some, yeah. some other damages we can look at in terms of um, emotional distress, uh, you know, maybe even punitive damages. I, I don't know. You're, it's your case, and we'll see how that pans out in the end. But I think just looking at it, um, it's got clear merits, uh, Title VII protects people of faith, including mm -hmm. people who work for a symphony, from, not being, from, uh, from being uh, uh, treated wrongfully and, and not reasonably accommodated when they have a sincerely held religious belief or conviction uh, to do something or not to do something. In this case, it was not to take a very controversial uh, jab uh, for the COVID-19 virus. Um, you know, I, I think that this is mm -hmm. very legitimate in terms of religious convictions. They expressed those religious convictions, right, to their employer? They did. They 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 followed they followed the steps they needed to to follow, and that includes basically uh, once the policy was uh, imposed, they timely notified the employer of their sincerely held religious belief and their objection to that term of employment. Um, they requested an accommodation, which were the accommodations were available. There, there were whether it was periodic testing or masking or or whatever it was or social distancing. The symphony, in fact, was uh, employing many of those methods even before they imposed the policy. So the 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 accommodations were there. Uh, they blew past that. There was no what's called an interactive process, and they they they. Uh, just a, a quick correction. They didn't lose their jobs, but they were put on indefinite unpaid leave. And that's 
that too can be it is in fact a damage and it's just for people out there that you can recover on so uh for the season susan she was out for the whole season john for most of the season they continue to perform and, and play and perform now as symphony members but there are damages and there are other consequential damages in susan's case john's case is the uh, uh, damage from his lost income, the compensatory damages, which is emotional uh, pain and suffering, those kinds of things, because there's so much uncertainty that happens when suddenly your employer says, hey, you're on <laughs> indefinite unpaid leave. You don't know when you're going to come back. And and we do allege punitive damages as well. So we'll see where that goes. And then, of course, if we're successful, we can always uh, seek to recover attorney's fees right. and costs if, if need be. So Right. Right. Well, I, I think it's, it's great that uh, our clients uh, don't have to worry about taking anything out of pocket while uh, we're representing right. them, which I think is, is, is really wonderful, to what we're doing for them. Well, Joe, I so appreciate uh, the work that you're doing. It's, uh, it's very important, and uh, you're doing a, a great job, and uh, keep up the great work. Really appreciate it. At PJI, we exist to serve everyone in need of counsel, representation, and defense of their religious liberties, parental rights, and the sanctity of life. We don't take cases based on how high-profile they are. We are workhorses, not show horses. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Welcome back. I'd now like to welcome to the program our attorney who heads up our office there in Texas, Emily Cook. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the program. Uh, I know you're very busy there in Texas. And, in fact, your, your office there in the Houston area is not that far from where I went to college at Texas A&M in Bryan College Station. So uh, I, I'm sure you go to A&M uh, probably every other weekend to watch their games and root for the Aggies. Is No. I'm <laughs> well, I, I am the only member of my in-laws that did not attend Texas A&M University. So my husband has two degrees from there, and um, my brother and sister-in-law still live in College Station. So we do go quite often. You do go quite often. Yeah, I know it's a, probably a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, I miss those days. I miss those days. Now, in Texas, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on there in Texas, and uh, your update I know would be very valuable um, particularly involving a case uh, called a Watson v. Intuit. Um, this is dealing with retaliation and preferred pronouns? Yes, Brad. You know, what we're seeing through uh, through this, this the COVID vaccine mandates that came down from employers is really how increasingly hostile to Christians and the Christian worldview and belief system that big companies um, and employers are are fostering onto their employees. And the Watson case is kind of a, con a conglomeration of, um, of a very hostile workplace and policies that leave no room for Christians to exercise their faith. Um, it, it's as if, it's, it's as if the, the Christian population is just completely marginalized. And so with our client, Miss um, Watson, she, out of the DFW area, she experienced discrimination in regards to her refusal to take the um, COVID-19 vaccine um, and has had some um, 
some some retaliatory effects that uh, from that decision, and some of her colleagues have been fired. Um, she then uh, went through this process um, with them of, of accommodation, and then not being promoted, um, and, and being subject to an, an incredible amount of um, peer pressure and, and mental uh, mental anxiety and anguish um, over her projects being taken away from her, given to someone else. She was essentially not working. She was essentially having no projects when she used to be the senior head de- uh, designer at this um, at this large company. Well, no, wait, and, I want to stop right there because I, I want to make sure I, I get this is into it we're talking about. This isn't a tiny company, right? Correct, yeah. correct. And, and she was, a you say, a senior project manager, and now she's having these projects taken away from her as sort of, it seems like it's retaliation for the fact that she had religious convictions not to take the COVID vaccine. So it sounds like yeah. Intuit is into this vax cult mentality and their HR department uh, seems to have a, a, a problem uh, with uh, people like her and accommodating being tolerant uh, towards people of faith at Intuit. This is very disturbing to see that in such a large company like Intuit. Uh, frankly, it makes me not want to do business with them. And it makes me want to encourage others out there not to do business with them, uh, because if they have this kind of a, of a hostile, uh, brutal, bigoted attitude towards believers, you know, if they find out that I'm a believer, are they going to treat me like a second-class citizen, just like they do their employees? I mean, this is, this is what I see here, and it's just very frustrating. But I understand it didn't stop there, did it? It didn't. There was a series of a series of events. They had the the Slack communication channel that many of our viewers might be familiar with to kind of help team management. There was a there was a Christian subset, a, a Slack channel um, that was um, utilized by employees um, of the Christian faith, and they had a little subset there, and um, they were expressing a lot of our colleagues expressing their frustrations um, with company policies that had no room for Christian beliefs. And one of those um, this past summer was the imposition of a preferred pronoun policy. <laughs> and um, this is where you tell, you know, they, we call anyone what they want to call, whether they're a female and they want to have male pronouns or a female and they want to have male pronouns. Um, they were, as part of their diversity, equality, inclusion, DEI policies, into it was implementing this policy. Miss um, Watson asked for an accommodation. She said, I believe um, that God created male and female and we don't get to just choose. He determines that at conception. Um, and we we do not get to um, change our minds, and I cannot go against um, the gender that God has given someone um, and call them by something totally different. Now, mind you, an important fact in this is is that this actually had never this Miss Watson had never been confronted with a peer. Like the, the, there was never an issue. She had never yet had a colleague ask to be called a different pronoun, and. She declined to do that. So this is in the abstract. She asked for a um, an accommodation and was told flat out by HR, we will not be offering any religious exemptions to the pronoun policy. And this is a policy. And if you violate a policy, you will be terminated. Wow. So this is a conflict based not on anyone out there needing to be uh, treated differently. Uh, this is strictly about her beliefs and the fact she has these convictions. And they said, you know, they, 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 they could have said, well, let's, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. If you have someone like uh, that you're working with in this situation, uh, we'll look in to see how we might be able to 
accommodate your sincerely held religious beliefs, but it's, you know, it's not a conflict now, it's not an issue now, so don't worry about it. They didn't say that. They said, oh no, so you have those beliefs? You're a Christian? You have, you, you're not going to disagree with God and, and call someone by something that is a direct blasphemous to the creator of that person? Um, then then you're, you're going to, you can't work here. This is a, that, that's how stringent, that's how uh, narrow-minded and, and rigid they were with regards to people of faith who had simply these religious beliefs? Yes. And Miss Watson had even offered a reasonable accommodation of her own. She said, look, I won't call anyone by any pronouns. I will just call everyone by their names. Problem solved. Yeah. And what did they say that, to that? What did they say? That okay. No, no, they didn't. They said that's not good enough. And again, if you violate a policy, there, there will be no accommodations given. If you violate a policy, this is a policy and the result is termination. So she, her, she was willing to say, look, you know what? I, I'm not here to create problems. Um, I just will avoid using pronouns completely. Um, I'll make sure to avoid using uh, names or pronouns that in any way may infringe on anyone. I just won't use them at all. And they said that wasn't good enough. They wanted her to, they insisted on her bowing the knee to their DEI garbage uh, that they have through their HR department through that their companies adopted. Uh, this extreme intolerant. I mean, this is the kind of policy that, Emily, that I can see companies, and we've seen this before, use this to purge Christians and people of faith from their companies. And if, this, if Intuit doesn't fire their HR and change their policies, uh, I mark my words, there's going to be a lot of people out there, business owners, Christian business owners, they're going to say, you know what? You don't have our account. We're not going to work with you. And I encourage people out there to rethink their business with Intuit uh, because of what they're doing in this particular case. It is very, very revealing. I'd like to move on now while we still have just a little time left with you to talk about SB 14. I understand this is a bill that was to uh, stop gender mutilation. Uh, what, 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 where are we at with this and where, what is it? Real quick. Real quick. Yes. So Senate Bill 14 um, dealt with prohibiting, uh, prohibiting the dispensation of gender transitioning drugs or surgeries or therapies on minors in the state of Texas. It was passed during this last legislative session and it went into, was slated to go into effect um, in, on September 1st of 2023. Since then, over the last few months, it has gone through your normal um, injunctive, injunctive process through all levels of the Texas um, court, district court, Court of Appeals and the Texas Supreme Court. And actually today, um, there are oral arguments held earlier this morning at the Texas Supreme Court on whether um, to lift the injunction. <coughs> now the law is, um, they're, they're arguing about whether the law can go into effect uh, pending a full trial on the merits and the constitutionality. And so you've got a lot of interested people who are um who are um, arguing on both sides of this um, issue. And really what's actually has, has come about in the briefing um, and where Pacific Justice Institute is getting involved by filing an amicus brief is the argument about whether this amounts to um, an intrusion upon rights or whether it's just simply the practice of the regulation of medicine. And we want to be careful um, that the court um, sh does treat this as a parental rights issue um, because you are taking that decision away from parents. Uh, but however, it, it is constitutional because the court you, you, court has the, has the power. We, we have the power as a state, as the government, to protect children from harm. And 
transitional therapies, irreversible hormones, irreversible surgeries um, on, on children who are six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old who have no say in the matter. I mean, this is this is akin to child abuse. Right. And state of Texas has a valid ish interest in protecting those children and um, protecting children from this insane dogma that's taken, that's taken root, um, right. taken root here. And so, right. um, we're, we're filing an amicus brief to highlight how this is a parental rights issue, but the law is constitutional because it serves a compelling government interest. It's narrowly tailored to, um, a, a valid state interest of protecting children from harm, whomever that harm is coming from. Right. Well, I agree with you a hundred percent, Emily, on this. Uh, I'm glad we're, we're stepping up. I know you'll draft a fantastic uh, brief on this matter. And um, I think at the end of the day, the state Supreme Court of Texas, pretty level-headed bunch. I think at the end of the day, uh, they'll see this case for what it is, which is, uh, you know, protecting children from not just abuse, but grotesque, permanent, grotesque abuse to their bodies. So uh, thank you for the work you're doing. And we were so glad to have you on our team, Emily. And uh, um, Maybe next time, if I'm in your area, we'll be able to uh, join your group and, and uh, watch an Aggie game. That would that'd be a lot of fun. So, but uh, we'll we'll have to wait till next year. Take care. God bless and keep up the great Thank work. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at PJI.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember... It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.